0: The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord This past March, I was in Washington, D.C. for the ELCA advocacy convening, and while I was there, the group that I was with, the cohort group, we did an icebreaker exercise to open up our time together. Now, this icebreaker was simple, but it was also one of the most challenging icebreakers that I've ever done, and it went like this, we were told to pair up, and for one minute each we would ask each other one simple question, who are you? It's simple, right? Not so much. So my partner and I, we got together and we decided that I was going to go first. So in my head I started to think of some answers to that question. I immediately began to script out how I was going to answer it. I thought, well Ben, you are a husband, a son, a brother, a Midwesterner, a pastor, a community organizer, a dog owner. But just when I got to that point, they started to announce that they were about to start the clock. And a moment later, we were given the go, and my partner started in. Who are you? She asked. And pretty quickly, I found myself running through the stock answers that I had already prepared in my mind. But the who are you's just kept coming. And I found myself struggling to come up with the answers to that question. So the pauses between her questions and my answers grew longer and longer until what seemed like the longest minute of my life finally came to an end. I was saved by the bell. Then it was my turn. I had the easy job now. All I had to do was repeat the same three words over and over again. So I began to ask my partner. And maybe she had done this icebreaker before, or maybe she was just very clear about who she was and good at communicating that, but... She almost seemed effortless in her thoughtful answers to my questions. And about two-thirds of the way in, she gave an answer that I think is the answer of all answers. I asked, who are you? And she paused, and with a quiet confidence, she looked at me and said, I am a child of God. And it would have been a mic drop moment if I hadn't had a few more seconds left to continue asking her questions, but eventually that minute was up and I thanked my partner for the insightful experience and just the, the challenge of it all. But inside my mind, I was kicking myself. I was not happy with the way that I had answered my questions. I couldn't believe that I didn't also answer that question with child of God. How could something that was so essential to my faith and my theology and my identity be so easily overlooked? I was slightly concerned with myself and even embarrassed, but as I reflected more on this experience, I realized how quickly we can become conformed to the way, the way, the way of the world and the way the world constructs our identity around the people and the places that we come from, or the personal characteristics that define us as individuals. But these things, they only scratch the surface of our true identity. And there is one truth about all of our identities that connects us, that connects us to all people, that connects us to this creation, that connects us to the entire cosmos, and that is that we are all children of God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by our Creator, And in this particularly cosmological week, the solar eclipse that happened on Monday, I can't help but find myself in awe that the same God who created the sun and the moon and all the stars created us too. But more often than not, identity is not such a simple thing. It It gets very complex when we consider all the genders and sexualities, races, religions, abilities Economic means, documentation statuses, education levels, careers, families of origin. The list goes on and on. And let's be clear, I don't want to de-emphasize those parts of ourselves. But I do want to re-emphasize our createdness, Because we are first and foremost children of a living God. Oftentimes in scriptures, the identities of people are tied up with their land and lineage. Last week we heard about the Canaanite woman. Or in this week's gospel, Jesus refers to Simon Peter as Simon, son of Jonah. And this all follows Jesus' line of questioning, asking the disciples, who is it that the people say that I am? And then asking, who is it that the disciples say that Jesus is? And it's Simon Peter who faithfully answers that question by proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah, Son of the living God. Jesus praises Peter's boldness, saying, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. But then in an almost rhetorical twist, just after appealing to Simon Peter's lineage, his flesh and blood, Jesus says, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Jesus acknowledges the very real flesh and blood that Simon Peter comes from, while simultaneously acknowledging that what has been revealed to us about our Savior Jesus Christ is a result of the gift of faith that comes from God. Flesh and blood, therefore, cannot and should not be disregarded, but when we profess who Jesus is as the Messiah, that has even bigger implications on our identity. And what we claim on our identity has profound implications on the way we live. Martin Luther was clear about this in his writings on the freedom of a Christian. He writes, Hence, as our Heavenly Father has in Christ freely come to our aid, we also ought freely to help our neighbor through our body and its works. And each one should become, as it were, a Christ to the other. That we may be Christ's to one another, and Christ may be the same in all. That is, we may be truly Christians. If we profess Christ as our Messiah, and we believe wholeheartedly that we have been truly freed from the power of death, and that we are children of a living God, then that means we can be that means of grace and freedom for others identity. It's a complicated thing. It can be problematic and dangerous when it's devoid of a sense of freedom in Christ or our createdness by God. Our recent events in Charlottesville prove that all too much. There are events where flesh and blood, or as it was terrifyingly chanted, blood and soil was chanted by torch-wielding neo-Nazis. And that has become the rallying cry for a new breed of white nationalism that regards people of color as something to be eradicated. In this moment of history, it's more important than ever that we claim our creativeness and claim our identities as Christians, and true Christians, as Luther said, ones who are Christ's for one another, and so abundantly that Christ may be everywhere. Also, Christians in the sense that we, like Peter, boldly and faithfully profess Christ as the Messiah. Not in some personalized or individualized sense, but the Savior of all creation and even the cosmos. For salvation comes through incorporation into the one body that we are all a part of. In the face of demonic division, and dehumanization of our siblings of color, this is our rallying cry. This is our act of resistance against this force. When Jesus asks the question, who is it that you say that I am, he knew that the answer Simon Peter would give would have deep political implications. The location of this event says it all, Caesarea Philippi, which was no accident Caesar's name hovers over the entire scene. And that makes Peter's statement of faith, the claim that Jesus is Messiah and son of the living God, all the more radical, as he says it, in the backyard of Caesar's brutal empire. Caesar knew it. White nationalists know it. We know it. Identity is a powerful tool which can be used to divide or unite. And if we lose sight of how our identities are first and foremost rooted in our createdness, we risk being convinced that we should align our allegiances with our flesh and blood or our blood and soil. But dear friends, in the words of Paul, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And our psalmist reassures us, Though we walk in the midst of trouble, the Lord preserves us against the wrath of our enemies. The Lord's hand is outstretched. The Lord's right hand delivers us. The Lord's purpose will be fulfilled for us. No flesh or blood, no blood or soil can eclipse the truth that we have been lovingly created by the God who gives us our eternal salvation through Christ our Messiah. The world is asking who Jesus is. Our answer to that question says a lot about our own identities too. So let's take that opportunity, seize the opportunity to answer that question boldly, always appealing to the oneness that we share in God.